shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. What is going on, Human Hope Familia? It is Thursday, April the 6th, 2023. This is episode 103 of the Human Hope Podcast. I'm your host, Carlos Enrique Wittiger Guzman Echevo Cabello, and I got one question. Y'all ready for this? Come on, come on. We are, what, four episodes into this new... Dr. Delight, tune, dropping it, uh, and I'm, I'm still there. I mean, I, you know, I'm in my late 40s. I am definitely a creature of habit, so I'm still missing old school Dr. Delight, but this one will do. Well, here we are. Here we are, Human Hope fam. We are at episode 103, and, you know, it is... Um, it's a week after the episode where we spoke with Becky and Phil. And I know a lot of you, I mean, you were wrecked by that. Wrecked by just hearing the voices of parents that are having to walk through the trauma with their children that the children saw and then take on the collective trauma. And, you know, last week I was I was going to hop on and give you a lot of opinions on how I think we can we can fix the issue of violence with guns in America. And I had a whole outline prepared and I just felt like it it wasn't the time then. And to be honest, um, it may be the time this week. It may be the time next week, but I am starting a new series that I think actually, actually weaves in well to a lot of that conversation. Uh, This is the first time we've ever done a series. So, Hello, like I, I am not a 62-year-old megachurch pastor that does series. 
but here we are. I I am barely hanging on to my 40s and think, you know what? I want to provide a space where maybe we jump in for a few weeks and tackle one subject. And you guys, this was really based on your feedback in the survey that I had you fill out. So we, I, I thought this week is Easter, at least if you're listening to this podcast, like in order and you're, you know, like a current listener, Easter is a, like a cornerstone of the earth of many people's earth, not everybody's earth. And it really is a cornerstone of my life. And I thought, you know what? We, we don't talk about faith specifically on here as much as I um, used to on my Instagrams and my socials and all the things. And it's, it's uh, this is, again, this podcast is in the society and culture section. So it's not, it's not necessarily a faith-focused podcast, although my faith speaks into every week of the podcast. Does that make sense? Right? Like uh, you, some people would like term themselves like Christian musicians, or a Christian author. I guess I used to coin myself that, but now I consider myself an author that's a Christian, right? This is a podcast that is hosted by a Christian. So that is the, that's kind of the pathway that I've chosen to continue my conversations on all aspects of culture and society and, and all the things. And so of course my faith plays a crucial role in, in everything I say and everything I believe. So in this series, we're going to have a wide spectrum of views and spaces in the evangelical Christian context. Okay, uh, that's where I, I fall into. So, I mean, I've got, we got people like Tim Whitaker, great last name, with uh, the New Evangelicals. He's going to be very helpful for a lot of you. He's going to be very shocking for a lot of you. And actually, we barely even scratched the surface. I got to have him back on. When I say shocking, like, oh my gosh, like, people that this is where people are at. It's like, yeah, I think it's important. So me, I'm going to give you my story today. We're going to have Tim. We're going to have my pastors, Alex and Henry Seeley, pastors at the Belonging Co. You know, uh, I've, I've watched them very closely. I've been a part of a lot of churches, a lot of great churches. I've never been as impacted as I have been under the ministry and the pastoring of Alex and Henry Seeley. So they're going to be on there, uh, on here. Uh, we've got Derwin Gray is going to be on here. You know, he's got he's got a whole viewpoint of kind of kind of race in the evangelical culture and the Christian culture. So we're going to have him, and then my my buddy, and you know, he was kind of like a someone that it just was on my heart. Like I feel like he needs to speak into this. John Mark McMillan, who you know, I think a lot of people initially heard of him over a decade ago, more than that, maybe fifteen years ago, uh, with the song "How He Loves." He wrote that. You know, and and it kind of uh, it, that that song kind of got taken over by. I, I'm going to let you hear from him and in, in the story of that song, but also the story of the journey of faith that he's been on, where he's sitting, what what God looks like to him. So I, I don't know. I think this is going to be really helpful, hopefully for a lot of you that are, you know, searching, that are constructing your faith, that are deconstructing your faith, that are don't even know what those words mean. All of you, all of us together. Uh, and so today, today I'm going to just tell you a little bit about me because I haven't done this before. It's like, Carlos, can you share your personal testimony? Remember if you grew up in church, like when you were eight years old, like you're mortified to do that. And so that's what I'm going to do today. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to testify to my faith and how it really 
defines everything that I am and everything that I do. So um, without further ado, I'm going to play a little transition music. We're going to get into it uh, and then we'll have some, well, we'll have an opportunity for some conversations on this on Instagram. So make sure you're following me at Lowswit on Instagram. And um, let's, let's talk about faith for a few weeks. Let's talk about faith, knowing that even though we're talking about faith, we are going to be able to, I believe, flow in what I believe is vital that we continue to talk about um, gun violence. And we continue to talk about how, you know, just because it's not just a sin issue. There's, there's a lot of countries with sinners. There's a lot of countries that don't call themselves Christian nations, right? Like, so they don't have a moral compass comparatively speaking to what some people believe. I believe they do have a moral compass, but they're, they're, they don't have these things. And so, so we're going to, we're going to weave in some of that conversation throughout some of these conversations. Uh, I never want to be boxed in a hole just because we've got a series. Uh, we'll continue to speak into what's happening in current culture while we lean on conversations of faith. And one more thing, sorry, I mean, we're, we're going to get to it. We've got series of parenting coming up. We've got series of mental health coming up. We've got human series coming up. A lot of things are being planned for this podcast. And I would love for you to hit follow or subscribe uh, and make sure that if somebody wants some hope, this is the place they can find it. All right, let's get to it. Okay, so I grew up in a preacher's house. My dad was a preacher. He um, pastored Primera Iglesia Bautista in Pico Rivera, California. First bilingual Baptist church in Pico Rivera, California. And um, I, I grew up in, in the, uh, the home of a very passionate preacher who was... Um, who came to know and came to his faith through missionaries that went to his home country, Panama. And I think they, I think they maybe had like a backyard Bible club at his church or something. And so, you know, when coming from like that cultural context, my, my dad obviously was very passionate because he, not only did his faith, um, was his faith the thing that shifted the trajectory of how he viewed life, but it also sh shifted the trajectory of what he did in life. So, you know, my dad, I, I tell you this because it's important to my story of faith. My dad moved to, um, he grew up, you know, he was, he was preaching in his church. Uh, and then you can go back to my dad's podcast, um, maybe in episode 50. I'm not quite sure. We'll put it in the show notes. But where I interviewed him a few years before his dementia went full blown. And he, he tells his story. So, so just so you know, my dad... When I, w when I came into the world, was pastoring a local church in Pico Rivera, East, East Los Angeles, a small but mighty congregation of Hispanic, you know, not just Mexicans, but Hispanics that he preached in English and in Spanish. So, you know, I, I kind of grew up in the church. I think we were there every day, all day. Then, then my dad, you know, and I, I kind of had my, my parents' faith, right? Like all through kind of kindergarten and, or preschool. Then, then we moved to Atlanta, and my dad started working for the Southern Baptist Convention. And there was a part of the Southern Baptist Convention that, that was called the Home Mission Board at the time, where they were, I mean, that was exactly what it, 
what it was. Like there was the foreign mission board and the home mission board. And so the home mission board sent out missionaries and started church plants and did all the things here in America at home. Uh, and then the foreign mission board was were people that were overseas serving as missionaries. So, you know, I grew, then I suddenly found myself in like this denominational world where, you know, we started going to a church called Briar Lake Baptist Church when I was young, I think kindergartenish. We moved uh, from California. And, you know, so I, I suddenly, my, my faith, I, I do remember this very specifically. You know, it, it was very different. We were going to like a large, really, really big. I mean, I can't remember how big it was at the time. I was little, but it felt really big. The sanctuary was huge. There was hundreds of people, if not thousands. A church called Briar Lake Baptist Church. Where is where, then that's where I kind of, you know, we grew up in a conservative, I grew up in a conservative Southern Baptist church. We, we're talking father, son, and Baptist hymnal. That was, you know, that was the the Trinity. I'm, I'm just kidding. They believed in Holy Spirit, but it, it didn't feel like there was a lot of conversation around that growing up. So I grew up, I grew up in a, in a space where it was, everything was very cookie cutter and clean when it came to faith, right? Like Sunday school and the Bible stories that I learned. And I learned all the Bible stories. Yeah. I loved my favorite one was Jonah in the, in the belly of a whale. Like, uh, of course you love the Noah's Ark, like all of those things. Like I learned the basics of like, of Bible stories. Right. And then the way that Jesus was portrayed was, uh, at least to me growing up was, Jesus was kind of like, Jesus is your best friend. You accept Jesus into your heart. And when you accept him into your heart, he becomes your best friend and kind of navigates life with you. Life with you. Remember that Remember that um, little doll? My buddy, my buddy, my buddy and me, we can climb up a tree. My, like if you're not in your 40s, you won't remember what that was. But it was kind of like this creepy best friend doll that you could drag around. That's kind of how I viewed my faith and viewed Jesus and viewed who Jesus was. He was my buddy. He was kind of my, my friend service. My, the, the services that I went to, you know, it was, it was hymns. Miss Nancy Jane Blair was slaying on the organ. I mean, it, the pipe organ, it was just so powerful and big and grand, right? We had a you know, choir and uh, Dr. Hoffman Harris was my pastor when I f- was first there. And, uh, and then Don Bolden was my pastor the second half. And, you know, I'll never forget when I was, actually, this is very interesting. I've never thought about this before. You know, it's funny. I say that the church wasn't like, you know, it was conservative, evangelical, not charismatic at all, but I'll never forget. I think I was in first grade and pastor Hoffman Harris, I'm going to have to ask my mom, mom, are you listening to this? I feel like I remember him calling me down to the front and telling me that I'm going to be a minister of the gospel or something like that, or a preacher or something. I don't know. That, and when I think about it now, like that, that's pretty prophetic. Honestly, Hoffman, Pastor Hoffman throwing prophecies down at the front. Who knew? That didn't happen very often, but it was like a Sunday evening back in the 80s. And that happened to me. And that had a profound impact on me. Holy cow. Like I'm actually... Sorry, this is very therapeutic for me. I'm actually remembering that moment for the first time live on the podcast. Interesting. I'm gonna have to talk to my mom about that. So, you know, services, they weren't filled with that, but it was, it was, you know, I was bored. I hated it. You know, as a little kid, like I, I was, I was like, you know, forced to, you know, sit in church after Sunday school. There wasn't kids church back then. Like back then, like it wasn't, you know, the kids were in, in grown up church. 
Like you had Sunday school, everyone Sunday school together. And um, that was fun because I got to hang out with my friends, but then I had to go to big church, which was like <laughs> Snorville. Would you please stand and open your hymnals to hymn number 103? Crown him with many crowns. Oh, da, 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 da. And like I would draw on the hymnal and I'd get in trouble. You know, it was like typical Americana Baptist growing up, man. It was great. I had a good time. I did. I had a good time. And I'll be honest with you, like, like back then, like I didn't, we, I didn't have a lot of, I, I didn't go through a lot of trauma as a child. Thank you, Jesus. So there was, there weren't a lot of things that I was having to rely on my best friend, buddy, Jesus. Right. So yeah. So there I was kind of, you know, going go, now going into youth group, you know, youth group was all about the pretty girls. And every once in a while we'd go to camp and I'd get some like goosebumps during a song and cry and, you know, would be like, Oh God, I want to be better. I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. So I guess all this to say, I, I mean, I don't know. Like I, grew, I, the church I grew up in wasn't, it wasn't like traumatizing to me. It wasn't, um, I don't have wounds from my childhood church. Like it was great. I had a good time. I enjoyed it. And I do feel like it built a foundation of where I kind of still sit. You know, there's a, uh, there, the, the Southern Baptist convention in general is problematic there, there's, there's some problematic. I'm sorry. I'm going to restate that. Okay. And I don't want you to edit this out. I want, I want you to hear this because I want to, I want you to hear how I adjusted what I just said. I just said the Southern Baptist convention in general is problematic. No, I'm actually going to rephrase that. There are problematic things in the Southern Baptist convention. There's a lot of things, conservatively speaking in the Southern Baptist convention that I, I even still vibe with, you know, like, like, it's kind of based on the Baptist faith and message that was written. I don't know when, and there's a lot of things about, about Jesus and God that I believe. Now it also has a lot of problematic issues with how it was. The Southern Baptist convention was created with its roots, having a lot to do with slavery. And as a black guy, that's a problem. That's a problem to me, but I didn't know that growing up. Okay. So we're talking about like 40-year-old Carlos is learning things about the Southern Baptist Convention that 10-year-old Carlos didn't know. I just knew that my friends were there. I was having a great time. You know, we were the only one of the only kind of like ethnic families there with, with another ethnicity besides those, the predominant ethnicity in the church. But whatever, man, it was great. I had a good time. And it did establish kind of the roots of my faith. Kind of going on into college, I, um, you know, the college experience for me, I, I, it's for another podcast, but I got expelled. <laughs> I was partier. I went hard in all the wrong ways and did get arrested. Not arre oh, arrested. I got arrested later in life. Oh my gosh. Well, this is going downhill fast. My heart was arrested <laughs> where this, this man named Leroy Imes. Oh my gosh. More names that are just popping up in my head. I have not, I, I just kind of wanted this to be um, Leroy Imes. Times. There it is. Look at this man, Leroy E. I. So, so I was in, a, I was, a, I went to like a college conference and there was this man named Leroy Imes. Uh, he died in January 4th, 2004. He was born in 1925. Oh, this is what I'll, I'll never forget. And this actually sticks with me. This is when I think I started making the connection of what faith really was for me. He said, and I'll never forget. He's like, young people, most of you have all the knowledge of Christ in your head. Uh, again, I apologize because this is not what he sounded like, but this is what he sounds like in my head. You have all the knowledge of Jesus in your head, but 
it's not in your heart. And that's 18 inches away. Heaven and hell are separated by only 18 inches. You got it all in your head, but unless you move it down to your heart, you don't fully understand. And I just remember being like, holy crap, that's me. I knew every Bible story. I knew John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, King James Version, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, right? I mean, there it was, John, you, this, the guy that's holding it up at the football games. I knew it. I knew all the verses that I needed to know, but I knew them and I, and I freaked out because I was like, he's right. I don't have it in my heart. So I needed to move it 18 inches down from my head to my heart. And, you know, I think, you know, he was like, he's, he was like, you're 18 inches away from hell. And I just remember being like, oh my God, I don't want to go to hell. So that night I went back to my dorm. No, it wasn't dorm room. It was a conference, like hotel room. And just told one of my buddies, hey, I want to move Jesus to my heart. Wasn't necessarily the tactics I would use today to help somebody move Jesus from their head to their heart, but I did it. And that was when faith became a little bit more real for me, tactical. I was like, okay, I actually have to really live this. The soul of who I am needs to be Jesus. Um, so so th there, there's kind of where, you know, and I can't remember if I prayed a prayer, like a sinner's prayer. I actually, and you guys may come at me here, I don't know if there is actually like a sinner's prayer in the Bible. You know, I mean, we hear that, you know, that you got to pray the sinner's prayer, but there's not actually like a sinner's prayer, right? It's not like you have to pray this exact prayer because there's not like a sinner's prayer in the Bible. The gospel, when I open it up, tells me that I must confess that I, now listen, what I'm about to tell you right now is, is still what I believe, okay? I must confess that I am like a sinner and I must believe in Jesus and invite Jesus and what he did on the cross, invite him to become Lord of my life. So however you want to say that, that's when I believe people move from death to life. That's when, that's when I believe salvation occurs. I believe that salvation occurs in that moment. And we can get into the nuts and bolts of that in a minute. But that, that was kind of where, you know, my adolescence into young adulthood kind of put me. So there I, I, here I sat in a place where really like at that point, pretty soon, like the, the kind of church culture in America started shifting and there was kind of more of a progressive, and I, I use that very loosely, progressive in like worship styles. And suddenly there was like guitars in church and things felt better, right? The church is shifting and moving and that's, that's what the church does. And, you know, the style was a little different. I, was, I started finding churches that I was like, oh, I like this. Oh, Lord, I lift your name on high. Okay, come on. We got some drums, some electric guitar. This is cool. And, you know, failed out of, failed out of college, got expelled, moved to California. And suddenly I find my I found myself as a very immature Christian on staff at a brand new church called Sandals Church in Riverside, California. And man, if I could, I've done it before. If I could do it again, if I could apologize a thousand times to poor Matt Brown having to deal with me, <laughs> the Lord was using me, and the Lord was was I think um, continued to prepare me for this season. But I, a lot of of 
how I grew in my faith then developed at Sandals Church in Riverside, California. I was the worship pastor there. And, you know, I was, I played guitar, I sang songs for Jesus. And I feel like I was, it was a, a gifting that I have to lead people in worshiping God through song. So uh, again, I'm, I'm fast tracking through all this because I want to get to the meat of kind of where I sit now. And so, you know, yeah, so I, I did that and I, I, that's where, you know, I, Heather, you know, and I got married uh, there. We had our kids there, adopted Losiah there, was there for a, about a decade and then moved to after a decade of working there. And, you know, I, I, I definitely don't know if, I think, I think my faith kind of just stayed. Like, I think we're told as Christians a lot of times that you become a Christian and then it's, it's kind of there. It's kind of where you're at till you get to heaven. I mean, you can, you may learn a little bit more about God, but here you go. You got it. Here's your, here's your badge. Here's your Christian badge and be a Christian and learn more, read the Bible more, learn more about God. But I don't know if anyone ever told me that like my thoughts about God would shift and my thoughts about his goodness and our purpose and why are we here? All of that stuff kind of stayed the same for about a decade. I wasn't necessarily in a space where I was formable. So although there were probably lots of of people attempting to help me and grow my faith, lots of great messages from Pastor Matt helping me understand my faith. I was, man, I was selfish. I was me. So I don't really grow in my faith through my 30s per se, or mid-20s to mid-30s. I'm just like, oh, cool, sweet. Songs about Jesus. Jesus is good. God is good. God, I don't know if you're good, why bad things happen, but whatever, I, I trust it because nothing bad had really happened to me yet. So then after 10 years there, now, now I'm a professional Christian, right? Like now I'm like getting paid to sing songs about Jesus. Moved to North Point Community Church in Atlanta, Georgia. And now I'm working for the mega of all mega churches. I'm in, I'm in deep. Uh, Andy Stanley is my boss. I'm in meetings with him multiple times a week. I am creating experiences on Sunday. My job there was a service programming director. Oh, oh and also before I get there, let me, let me go back. This is my, my faith story. I loved my time at Sandals Church. It was, it's a phenomenal church. I know a lot of people that are still there and I have a lot of great friends that are still there. I was an immature, selfish. I mean, I was just all about me, you know? And I mean, I don't know, maybe a lot of people in their late twenties are, but I, I did my best there. And, you know, again, Matt Brown he really, you know, if there's one thing that I did get out of that season, he really made me realize that like that man had one goal in life. And that was honestly to do his best to tell people about Jesus. Like, I know, I know there's a lot of evangelists out there. I know there's a lot of people that did the way that Matt Brown does it and did it back then. That's that stays with me to this day. The, the fear, the, the, fierceness in him to not let the enemy win and to see people far from Jesus come near to him. It's going to stick with me for a long time. So those are my years at Sandals. It was personally, I just, I didn't grow. I didn't, um, I didn't put in the work myself because why? Well, it's really easy when you're comfortable to not do anything. 
And I was pretty comfortable. Everything was pretty comfortable. You know, I had moments, I had blips. My, my anxiety did explode during that season. I may have been the first person I know of that had a panic attack. I started taking Paxil, 20 milligrams of Paxil a day while I was on staff there. And, you know, to their credit, like everybody, all the staff knew that I was taking Paxil and nobody was trying to get me to pray it away. Yeah. A lot of my life there, a lot of great memories, a lot of great friends. I, so anyway, I just didn't want to bypass that season of my, of growing in my faith without really giving the credit that's due. I'm so grateful for my time there. Then moved to North Point and became the service programming director. And this point in my life, I was really into the kind of the smoke and haze of, of mega churches, man. So like I was, I loved it. The creating the experience, the experience on Sunday, lots of smoke and haze. When I say smoke and haze, like we're literally pumping in smoke and haze, like at a rock show. <laughs> and so we had, we had the haze going, I was leading worship. I was, you know, it was awesome, right? The church was massive, thousands, tens of thousands of people. The building was enormous. It was just it was all the things that a lot of people bother a lot of people now. <laughs> they don't necessarily bother me, but I know they bother a lot of people because, you know, at that point when a church gets that big, it starts to, you know, you kind of have to run it like a business, right? And I mean, there was hundreds of employees, so it felt very, felt like a corporate setting. But I'll tell you what, there was um, my direct boss, Jeff Henderson. He really... I think more than anyone defined to me what it looks like to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That guy was, he's just, he just loves Jesus. And suddenly I started to see a, a guy that really defines what it looks like to look like Jesus and think like Jesus, defend me like Jesus. He was for me and he really saw me more than anyone else. I think there, he saw me, which I'm just going to skip because we're, you know, we're, we're already, we're already 33 minutes into this bad boy. This can't be a five hour podcast. I knew this was going to happen if this was like my faith episode, but before we leave there, let's, let's hop in with a couple of our partners. And from there, I'm going to come back in to really give you the meat as to where, what I believe and where I sit right now. This week we are partnering with athletic greens. Listen, I used to take AG1 every single day, but my daughter took it over. Literally, she steals it all the time. And, you know, I gave AG1 a try because, yeah, I, I don't know, I wanted more clarity. I didn't want to have to focus on taking so many other multivitamins together. And Athletic Greens created a product called AG1 that not only I love, but apparently my daughter loves just as much. You take it in the morning, before working out, you put it in your coffee, whatever it is, and it makes you feel honestly unstoppable. A lot of people take it instead of even drinking coffee because it gives you that much of a boost. So I know that we all have a hard time keeping up with supplement routines that comes with like so many different products, right? Or it's like, it's hard to know where to start with supplements and who to trust. But AG1 makes it so much easier, so much easier. AG1 is a powerful, powerful tool because it's so easy to fit into your lifestyle. It's one simple scoop of powder mixed with water a day and also they come with like these travel packs that you guys can get if you order today these travel packs you can stick them in your backpack you don't have to have a spoon to mix it in it's really cool i'm always looking for life hacks which is why i've come to love and trust ag1 by athletic greens if you're looking for an easier way to take supplements athletic greens is giving you and here it is just like i said 
a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Literally five free travel packs. It's what I put in my backpack when I travel. Go to athleticgreens.com slash human hope. That's athleticgreens.com slash human hope. Check it out. Think about someone who has changed your life for the better. All right, you got that person in your head? Now, how incredible would it be if your company could find more of those life-changing people right when you needed them? If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So listen, amigos, don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed, you find top talent fast with Indeed's sweet, powerful hiring tools like matching, assessments, and also virtual interviews. Do you hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. It's actually incredible. Listen, Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash human hope to start hiring right now. Just go to Indeed.com slash human hope. Indeed.com slash human hope. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone need to hire, you need Indeed. Another partner on today's podcast is Haya. I just love talking about Haya, not only because it's fun to say their name, but actually they taste so good. I have the taste buds of a seven-year-old, okay? Like I like my stuff to taste like a seven-year-old was going to like. And that's why I know that Haya is perfect for your kids. Listen, typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise, right? They're filled with two, count it, two tablespoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk growing kids should never eat. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved super-powered chewable vitamin. While most children's vitamins are filled with five grams of sugar and can contribute to a variety of health issues, Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and it's perfect for picky eaters. Listen, I have loved chewing on these Haya multivitamins. I love them. My kids, who are no longer kids, but I've been popping these in their pie holes as well, and they're like, Dad, these taste great. So it's a non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, everything else-free multi. It's totally safe for your kids. It's designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door so parents have one less thing to worry about. We worked out a special deal with Haya, so this is what it's going to be. You receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash Human Hope. The deal is not available on the regular website. You have to go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash Human Hope to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay. Now that I've spent 20 minutes at least going over the history of my faith, let's let's just land where we're at now. I am, as of right now, a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. 
I believe some pretty crazy things. I believe that Jesus was a man that walked on the earth, was fully man, yet also I believe he was fully God and was given birth by a virgin named Mary. Just saying that out loud is the craziest crap I've ever heard, but I actually believe it. And I believe that Jesus died on a cross and was murdered and was dead for three days and supernaturally got up. Saying it sounds crazy, right? I believe it. I believe he got up and I believe that he ascended into heaven and left his Holy Spirit on earth to guide us. I, this, I'm holding a Bible in my hand. This is my Bible. I, I don't know if anyone that's listening to this podcast that's struggling with, with faith or belief in God or any of those things, I don't know if I have ever seen so many miraculous things happen after I asked for them. Not all of them, some things I've asked for and they haven't, but I've gotten very specific with God the last few years, maybe six years. And all of the things about the power of Holy Spirit that I feel like were kind of left out of what I was learning about for the majority of my life have come to life in who I am now. I believe in the power of prayer and I believe in the power of us doing things as well. I believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. I believe that there is that this thing is God breathed. I believe that God still moves every day. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that when you pray, God hears you. I also do believe in a literal separation of people from the manifest presence of God. I believe that and, and again, this is where a lot of people don't, you know, just hear, hear me out. A lot of people are moving in their belief in this because as we grow, I believe that we're, I believe that we should shift. The more we learn about God, I believe that we should shift in our, what we believe about him. Like, yes, everything in the Bible is there, but do I believe that God is even bigger than the pages of this book, that there's things about God that aren't even in this book that we don't know? Actually, I do, Right. Like nowhere in this book does it tell me, I don't know, what God's doing right now. Like right now, like what's he doing? Like, I mean, sure he loves us and he's loving us and he's looking for, but what's he doing, right? Like, so that's not in the Bible. So I've got to come up, I've got to figure that out and I've got to learn, I've got to grow into that. So where, where I still sit now is I believe that, that in order to spend eternity with God, you must accept Jesus, as your savior. I believe that. I do. I believe I mean that that's what the Bible has taught me. So Carlos, what does that mean to everyone that that doesn't believe in God is going to burn in like a literal hell? Like I mean, listen. All I know is that that means that you're separated. Uh, and that Jesus came that we're not separated anymore, but that he he pulls us in. Now, so does everyone with a different faith belief system as me, does that mean I'm just like judging them like, "Oh my god, you're going to burn in hell?" No. Actually, it's not. That's, that's not what I do. I've got a lot of friends. I've got, I've got a, one very close, specific Muslim friend. We have d- completely d- different belief systems. I am not panicked. And m- maybe I'm wrong in this. I'm not panicked that he is going to die and burn in hell because he doesn't believe like I believe. I'm not panicked in that. I do know that what I have experienced in my relationship with Jesus is something that I would love for him to be able to experience. I would love for him to be able to experience the faithfulness of my God. I, of course, I, I would love for people to experience that. Why would I not? Like, it's changed everything in my life. 
But the way I go about it, explaining that to people is going to be by in my actions, not necessarily in my words. I want people to look at me and say, Carlos, bro, what is it about you? What is it about you? You know, when I do corporate talks, I'm not up there like evangelizing. When I do corporate gigs, I'm, I'm, I don't even tell people, I don't say the name Jesus. I don't talk about scripture. But you know what happens inevitably when I get done is people um, that don't have the same belief system, they come up to me to my table in tears. Carlos, can you help me? My, um, my daughter is struggling with this. My family is struggling with this. Can you, can you, can you help me? And I believe that they see something in me that's not me, right? I believe that they see the Holy Spirit, which I say Holy Spirit, not the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Why? Because we don't say the God or the Jesus and Holy Spirit's a person. This isn't going to be a theology podcast, but I just want to tell you where I sit. So I sit in a space of believing that, yes, I I believe in Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way to eternal life. Not everybody believes that. And I don't know if, if the way to convince people of believing that is, is the way that most people are doing it. You know, like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like when Leroy Irons was like, you're 18 inches away from heaven and hell, like to scare me into doing that. Like, I don't, I don't know. I I would just much rather live like Jesus and have people be attracted to that. And then they ask me what it is and I can tell them what it is. So yes, like I still believe in, in people praying a prayer of salvation. Like I believe in all of those things. I believe that those things are true. But if you don't believe like I believe, I, I need you to hear me. It's not my goal to like, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. I'm, I'm going to come after you and until you pray the sinner's prayer. Do you even have to say anything out loud? Can you just accept it? Like, can you... I mean, I, I'm doing bees now, right? Like in my, in my, like I, I'm looking at these bees and I'm thinking, how can somebody not believe in God when you see what these bees are doing? It's that insane. Trust me, we're going to do a whole bee podcast, right? So like, I feel like there's a hundred ways that somebody can come to a, a saving realization of who God is, right? I, I have the same thoughts. Like, what, what about somebody that's like on a deserted island somewhere and God knows and no one's ever going to, because God knows everything, God knows no one's ever going to make it to them. Is God, is God going to send that person to hell? These are questions that I still have. So I need you to hear that, like, I believe that person can come to saving knowledge of who God is just by looking at the stars, right? There's something bigger. And, and that God can invade their heart without them even reading a Bible. The, all the tools that we like, so I need you to hear that. I Yes, I, I have a uh, strong belief system in being a Christian, but I also... I'm like, huh, I don't know, God. I don't know, God. I, I, I know that I'm a learner and I don't ever want to put you in a box. So I'm going to continue. Hopefully I'm only halfway through life. Okay. I'm naming and claiming I'm living past hundred, but hopefully I continue to learn about who you are, God. I continue. You continue to blow my mind. That's, that's my prayer for all of us is that we don't get, we don't stop in our learning and understanding of who God is that you realize, hey, God God is so much bigger than our finite minds could ever comprehend. God is bigger than any sermon that some pastor could ever preach to you. God is bigger than all of these things. So if you get, if you start getting hung up on these tiny little semantics, you're going to miss it all. I mean, I, I even think about 2020 and really 2016 and 2020 and how not served I felt by the evangelical church in America. 
for a lot of evangelicals, the president became their king. And that was nauseating for me. And I didn't know what to do with that. And there was a lot of wounds that happened in that season. I'm like, these are people that I trusted and believed in. And suddenly like, this is, they think this, nah, man, it was a, that was a very troubling season for me in my faith. But my church, the Belonging Co., has really helped me realize that we still serve a supernatural God. And although I believe that we serve a supernatural God, I believe that we must do things in the natural. What does that mean? Well, I mean, let's, let's go back to, let's go back to what's happened in Nashville this last week. I believe we serve a supernatural God that can give peace and healing to the hearts of the families of the victims. That's supernatural. I also believe we live in the natural, which means while I pray for the supernatural healing and peace that happens in their hearts, I must in the natural move and use my hands and feet to create safety around these literal kids that are scared to go to church. You see? See the difference? Our help is in the natural and our hope is in the supernatural, but they're both real and they're both useful and they're both needed. So, I don't know, man. That that, that was a lot of like a Carlos just kind of like being feely, probably left you with more questions than answers, which is fine. I've got more questions than answers about God. I know that God is good and I know that he loves me and I know that I want to spend all my time focused and fixated on him, gazing at God and glancing at life. But I really feel like I have not even cracked 0.00001% of who God is. I look at those stars and I'm like, there's got to be something else out there, right? Or, I mean, some people just think God created the earth and that's it. You look at, out in the universe and listen, I'm, I'm going to get in tons of trouble now. I'm going to start thinking about talking about life on other planets, but I'm just, I don't know. We don't know. Okay, we don't. This is what I need more Christians to do, okay? I need more Christians to answer the question or to be able to say this when they answer questions. I don't know. I feel like that's where I'm at. I feel like I do know a lot that keeps me grounded, but I feel like 99% of things I can say, I don't know. I I don't. I don't know. We truly don't know. We we know what we know, but I need more pastors to say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why that happened. I'm not going to try to make you feel like I know why that bad thing happened. I don't. You know, I, we had a podcast here maybe a year ago with my buddy Wes from church that answered some hard questions about why bad things happen to good people. You can go back and listen to that one. I'll put that in the show notes as well. But I just, I know a lot and I don't know even more. So I guess to put a, um, this, this Easter week, to just kind of put a stake in the ground, I am a follower of Jesus Christ that I believe Jesus Christ is God in human form that came, was crucified, murdered, died, was dead for three days and rose again. And I believe he is the way. And I believe that as I guide the Insta Familia, I'm guiding, trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Be human, see humans, free humans. That's what I'm trying to do. I don't feel like it's my role in this season to be an evangelist in the way that other people are. I believe all those things about Jesus and about God. And I also believe that we are all on a journey to figure this thing called life out. And I want to help you. And if part of that journey is you asking me about God, then I'll do that. If part of that journey is just you asking me about racism, then let's be part of that journey. But know that everything that I believe and everything that I do is based on being a follower of Jesus Christ, all of it. 
and understand that I'm very okay saying I don't know. You know, I actually look forward to in the next few episodes before we launch into conversations with everybody, continuing to unpack what my faith looks like. I believe in healing. I believe in supernatural healing. I believe Jesus can heal and still does. It's crazy town, right? But but what, what I won't do is tell people that I don't believe in the supernatural anymore, that I believe that Jesus was just a good guy. No, I don't believe he was a good guy like Gandhi. I believe that he is God and I put all my faith and trust in him, all of it. That's why like, you know, when it comes to one last thing, when it comes to like emotions and and being emotional, like a lot of people have a hard time with churches that are like, you know, there's emotion in it. Listen, when I look at the stars, if I, if I, if I hike the Grand Canyon and I look at the canyon, I am, I get emotional because of the splendor and beauty and majesty of God. Emotions are not a bad thing. When I hear a, a guitar hit a chord and the drums start building, that is God made. I, be, I get emotional. So don't be scared of your emotions and God and mixing them together. This was the messiest version of, of a faith talk I've ever given. And I kind of like it. Halfway through, I was thinking, I got to redo this. But no, I kind of like that. Hopefully you're feeling like, wow, Carlos believes in Jesus. His whole faith is in who Jesus is. But Carlos actually doesn't know a whole lot. And he's okay with that. And it's messy. And it's going to continue to be messy. And these conversations the next few weeks are going to be messy as well. So there we are. There's there's my faith in not a nutshell, all over the freaking place, like a broken shell all over the beach. Like a, that's my faith in like a disposed bag of, what are those seeds? Sunflower seeds, <laughs> just scattered. There it is. That's my faith. And I'm sticking to it. I love you guys. And I love you that don't have my faith. I love you. And I want to, and, and like, I, I want to hear from you. I want to learn. I'm a learner. Teach me about your faith. Teach me about what you believe. Teach me about why it's vital to you. I, I, I want to hang out with people that believe so wholeheartedly in everything that they believe in. And I want, I want, cause I want to learn. I love learning. I want to learn about your faith. If you're, if you're in a different faith, have a different faith than I do, what are ways I can learn about yours? Just like you're learning about mine. I, I love to learn. So there it is. Dr. Delight hit it. All right. That's it. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Breakdown. Hang on. I still don't have like the right saying to say in that little spot, but that's it. Hey, this has been episode 103 of the Human Hope Podcast. My name's Carlos Enrique with the Guzman and Cabello. Keep praying for my community and I'll keep praying for yours. See you next week on another episode of the Human Hope Podcast. Bye.